What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John, and with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good, man. Uh, hang on a second, though. I don't know if I'm recording. Yeah, I'm recording. Cool. So, whatever. Hold on, though. Talk to me real quick. Talking to you. Talk to me. Talk to you. Okay, I got it. Yep, cool. Cool beans. Well, hey, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm not doing great, actually. Uh, I've been sick for five days, and um, I'm doing great right now because I took a whole bunch of ibuprofen or earlier and uh i slept I, I went home from work about two hours early today and slept for at least an hour of that and then um got up and was too exhausted to make food for anybody so we ordered doordash um burger king which i ate you know a, a meager meal for me uh you could tell i was under the weather because i didn't get the big king with bacon and um yeah it's weird because like i feel i think like my tonsils have some sort of infection going on um but it has not yet affected my voice so we've got that going on and um luckily in my favor um freeze pops from the local from the local store and um carbonated drinks uh seem to help quite a bit so it's weird though like i'm telling people like oh i've got this really horrible throat problem but like i don't have any vocal fry going on or anything like that so i don't know it's uh it's been an experience my friend an experience yeah speaking of experience i'm going to uh try this weathered souls brewing costa rican french press beer okay sent over uh in my care package uh by mark from nothing more apparently i got another one because i sent him so much beer compared to what he sent me so well that's officially on the record now that wow that's really strong coffee flavor i mean i guess it should be with it being a french press right yeah, I mean the problem with coffee for me is that it just like let me see if I can see if I can show you how dark this is. As we're right now as when we're doing this, we're on the uh Facebook and Insta YouTube live. Can you see how dark that is on the rim of this can? Oh wow, yeah, that's that's rough. That looks like somebody just threw some mud up on here. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> I'm into it. it. All that aside, all of the beer drinking, I know Dan uh, is drinking a Space Dust, as he showed me earlier, and I mean, if you listen to this podcast enough, you know that's what Dan drinks. So It is. I mean, it's it's like, did you guys wake up this morning? Did the sun come up? Did it go Space down? Dust. Did it go down about 12 hours later? Yeah, Space Dust. <laughs> uh, this episode's guest is Rachel Taylor, vocalist for He Is We. Um, again, you know, we've kind of been telling you, uh, that we're going to throw these for some curveballs. You know, we threw the, uh, Pop Evil episode out two weeks ago and then continuing with just kind of doing things that maybe you wouldn't expect from this show. Uh, Rachel Taylor actually is someone that I've been trying to get on the show for a couple of years. Uh, if you're not familiar with He Is We, wow, uh, what a backstory. Um, pretty much anything and everything that could happen to a band in their run. Like if a band were to last for like 30 fucking years and you're like, wow, lawsuits, infighting, health issues changing the band name to she is we yeah i mean just and you know oh the band changed their sound a little bit and so on and so forth all of that and then some in a matter of like 10 years i think roughly yeah i mean it wasn't really that long in the grand scheme of things no and that's it's so weird sometimes you know you hear people say like oh uh x amount of time ago and you know they're like i know it doesn't sound like a long time ago and you're like yeah, I guess a decade can start going by pretty quickly where you're like, that was 10 years ago. It's not that long ago. Not really. I guess having kids probably makes that seem like that for you, too. Like, where you're like, oh, fuck, I sneezed in your four. Yeah, dude, no doubt. Like, we had a we had a new baby, like, three days ago, and now he's, like, walking and, like, saying words and... Paying rent yet? 
No, but you know, my six year old has a job, so there's that. Um, she went to work uh, yesterday. She loves telling me. She's like, "Yeah, hey, I'm gonna go to work," and I was like, "Great! If you keep working, then you know, if you work really, really, really hard, it's so funny because I've got this like amazing computer case, you know, uh, for my new PC build, and it's uh, it's got like rainbow puke like LEDs all over it or whatever." And she's like, "Wow, that's like such a really pretty case and a really pretty keyboard that also has a weird rainbow design on it." She's like, "That's so cool." And I was like, "Yeah, and if you you know if you put your nose to the grindstone and you work really, really, really hard next year, I could buy another one." <laughs> Having kids is great, man. I, I guess. <laughs> my dog, my puppy came up to me while I was painting my uh, hallway and decided to pee right on the tarp. And I was like, really? This this is what you're doing? But I was like, kind of not mad because I was like, well, at least it's not on the floor, technically. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I have a two-year-old and we're we're going through that right now. Um, pretty hardcore. So they just walk right up to you while you're doing something and just like drop trow and start peeing or shitting on stuff. No, no, it's not quite like that. Um, I will say, you know, potty training is a is a exercise in trust. <laughs> it is okay. absolutely an exercise in trust, and uh, it is rough. You have to give people their independence, but at the same time, they're not, you know, they're not they're not there yet. So like, it's it's rough. I won't get into the grisly details, but I will tell you that yes, a lot of trust. Trust is the most important aspect of any relationship especially when pertaining to potty training. That's all I'm going to say. Kind of also speaking to trust, I think, you know, it was something that was kind of cool about this podcast actually getting back on track was, you know, that uh, Rachel really hadn't done a whole lot of press leading up to, you know, the release of their newest single, Amazing Grace. Yeah. And it, uh, I haven't really seen a whole lot come out since. So, I mean, I know we did this conversation a little while ago, but I think all the information is still pertinent. You know, I think, uh, it's about definitely someone who has overcome the odds so many times, uh, perseverance, uh, in the face of so many things. Um, that was kind of really why I really wanted to have Rachel come on the show. Um, I think she is someone that is a beacon of inspiration, honestly, like as much as I love Josta for his, you know, inspirational lyrics and so forth. And maybe that's not what you get from a, he is we song per se. I think the things that she has gone through as a person and then as an individual and not backing down as a result of all the things she has been through is staggeringly inspiring. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a roller coaster. like looking, looking at her history and all the, you know, like in, in this band, and just the the sheer amount of wacky randomness uh, that that seemed to take place. I mean, she starts off the conversation talking about how the van was struck by lightning. Yeah, <laughs> what the, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but like, what are the odds of that? Like, that's insane. But I mean, you know, the the, the odds are also you know uh, of being you know accused of uh, sexual assault. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, that's that obviously that's a whole different can of worms. But like. My God, man! Like I, I don't think I could handle one of those situations, much less both. I think, with uh, without further ado, I think we should get into this conversation with Rachel Taylor of He Is We, and we will talk to you afterwards. <laughs> Hey, 
So I had the pleasure of talking to Rachel Taylor, vocalist of He Is We, whose latest single, Amazing Grace, is out now. You know, it's it's kind of funny. I have been trying to get you on this show almost since the start of it, so almost about a little over three years now, and you have been very hard to uh, track down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've been kind of, I've been adapting to being almost 30, and all of the life experiences that have come in the last three years have definitely, uh, definitely got me ready for 30. So that's probably, I was so busy. So, so busy. It is kind of funny. You know, I'm 35, getting ready to turn 36 uh, in a couple of months. And is one of those things where, you know, I was just doing a podcast chat earlier with somebody else. And, you know, we were kind of talking about looking back on the last 10 years of your life. And I was like, you know, when I was 25, you know, it's kind of funny. You, you think you're invincible. You think you know everything. And then you kind of get 10 years later. And you're like, how did I not get into way worse shit than I did and not have like really oh, bad sure. repercussions? And it's just those things that kind <laughs> of inform you like, wow, I guess, you know, I, I should not do those things as I get older. <laughs> oh, no, I I, I definitely, uh, especially touring, I would say I'm so shocked that I'm, I mean, there's so many times that I should have died. Our van got struck by lightning once. What? Um, like, oh, yeah. But it's like it's, when you're 18, 19 years old, all you can think about is telling your friends about it. Like, you don't think to yourself, whoa, death happens. So it's, it's really, really interesting looking back at, like, 2008 versus I, I have a dog and a house and... A mortgage, like oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, uh, my wife, like we've been together now for ten years, been married for five, and she, Aww. you know, at the beginning of of our dating, you know, introduced me to your music, and in name, I was always aware of of you and Taylor, and was one of those things where I never really kind of got to know the music uh, until dating my wife and and seeing, you know, how much something meant to her kind of really made me take it more seriously than I think I would have just happening to find it on my own. And, you know, it's really been interesting kind of in preparation for this. And and like I said, wanting to talk to you for so long, because you've had a very interesting career. You know, you start off as kind of an acoustic duo and, you know, this Mm -hmm. is at the, the kind of the height of MySpace where bands were able to make and build their own brand for lack of a better term without the use of a label and so forth. And you, from what I remember, were one of the bigger bands coming out of that scene of the kind of the MySpace scene in the kind of yeah. indie folk scene. So I kind of wanted to start there and just kind of say, you know, looking back, you know, I think that might be a theme that we run into the, this whole episode. But, you know, looking back, that was a really interesting time period for musicians. So what was it mm-hmm. like kind of traversing the infancy phases of social media as a band? Oh, gosh. Um, it, uh. I, I so I never know how to to put it because you have to experience it to understand like that it is nothing like like take everything you think it is throw it away because it, it's very um, identity wise you really start to lose yourself and it, what's strange though is you know a label at least with the label they will try to tell you who you are um but when you're creating your own brand like you really have to figure out like what are my weaknesses what are my what are my strengths um what who am i what do i want to accomplish like it kind of forces you into a position where 
you know that if it fails, it's because of you. You you can't point at a label and say that they dropped the ball. Um, it it was an accident. The MySpace thing was an accident. Um, one hundred percent. I was ready to to become a law enforcement officer. Like I I was nowhere near the concept of anyone ever knowing who I was. Um, I was not a very big performer when it came to like high school and stuff like that. I would usually just sit in a locker room with a guitar and sing quietly to myself. I never liked singing for others. (laughs) That sounds odd given my now. Um, But I'm, I would say I'm, I'm glad that I was able to accidentally have it happen because it really did allow me to um, make the choices that helped TSW, but I also know that there were so many mistakes that were made and I have no one to blame but myself. And so there's like a there pros and cons list to the MySpace age. And um, I had to grow up pretty quick, I would say. Um, and then I started working with a label and learning a lot about that community and the industry on a level that wasn't just creative, but learning the horror stories that you, you know, VH1 behind the music, like seeing and experiencing it, um, way different than trying to figure out your top eight on MySpace. Way different. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So different. So something, you know, that I've kind of harped on quite a bit, uh, I don't know if harp is the right word, but something that I've discussed quite a bit, uh, in looking back is, you know, a lot of my friends' bands and a lot of bands that I grew up listening to being kind of more into, uh, I'll say, like, kind of that emo, screamo, hardcore scene of the early late 90s, early 2000s, is a lot of those bands yeah. were getting signed pretty much straight out of high school. And it's been very interesting to me to talk to people who went through basically getting signed at such a young age when it's still pure and it's still a thing you do for fun, but then it becomes mm-hmm. a commodity. It becomes a product that has to sell, and yep. you're 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 having to basically be looked at as a as a product and figure out what and who you are. While most people aren't going to do that for another five six years at least, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you kind of touched on it. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more about what that is like from your perspective of kind of growing up very quickly uh, and kind of having your your love kind of be looked at at a completely different eye? Oh, for sure. Um, that was actually a huge reason why I never thought of doing music, you know, as, as a job. Music is what um, allowed me to put words to to the feelings I had as a little emo you know, kid just doing her best. And uh, to mm, to an extent, I would say it, yes, it, it bothered me to, to have to take the step where suddenly I was being judged on my content and my, uh, my look and the, the brand itself. Um, it, it, it was, it was an eye opener for me because I realized I don't, care what people think that was the greatest gift I think that God gave me was the inability to care about like the status of an individual like um I remember getting signed because I was so not uh, starstruck by the uh the guy that owned the label 
I really didn't give a crap about any of that stuff. The the business, the politics, I didn't care. And if you were to tell me, oh, this song isn't pop enough, I would say, okay, and what? Like, I, I'm not changing it. And that is the one thing that I think has hurt and helped me all at the same time is kind of screaming anarchy with the music and um, not compromising with anyone uh, about what I'm going to write. I refused to allow anyone to have any sort of credit for the, the lyric and the melody because I wanted to ensure that if anything was real in this industry, it was the content. Um, even if everything else is manufactured and um, put together nicely with a bow on it, I want to make sure that the content itself who I am. So this this might be a little bit of a weird question, but I think kind of parallels what we're talking about currently. So I remember my wife introducing me to you, and and I, I honestly can't remember if it's a, the demo versions, like they were all acoustic and so forth. But I, I want to say when you put out the record, they were reworked versions of basically that demo. And yeah. We've her and I have talked about constantly because you know some of our favorite bands have done that where you hear a song and it's in a demo form like I I mean this is kind of a I'm gonna lose credibility points for this but you know a song like maybe like Jane <laughs> says by Jane's Addiction you know like there was the live version of that which is the one that everyone fell in love with and then they went in the studio and re-recorded it and it just doesn't have the same I don't want to say intensity it just doesn't have the same vibe that that does. Oh. And it, and I don't know how much of that was because that was in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a live song. They're feeding off of the crowd and so forth. Um, but, you know, yeah. we've, we've talked about how interesting it is that you basically reworked the songs as a full band, even though it was just still the two of you. And I, I've mm-hmm. never really seen, because this is back in the day before podcasts or a lot of interviews and the internet really being what it is, mm-hmm. never really found out why that was. So... Other than I'm assuming a label telling you that like, hey, we think this needs to be, what was the reason for not just basically re-releasing the demos? Because I don't think there was anything wrong with those. I think it was, uh, again, I really just wanted it to continue to be something personal to me. Um, And, you know, we could have kept it acoustic and simple, but I also wanted to at least try it. And the, you know, the, the thing was, was that the compromise that was made within myself was, well, you know, if I don't like how it sounds, then I, I don't like how it sounds. And, and we always have the stripped down version. Um, so regardless, I'm just stoked to, to hear what it sounds like. And so I didn't really pay much mind to, um, I guess, uh, keeping it as it was because a creative brain doesn't rest. So I wanted to keep figuring out how I could emotionally um, create a track where the the string part really echoed the emotion in the bridge. Or um, there, there were just so many ways that I was having fun with it. And I was um, trying to figure out how to tie the, uh, the, the band sound um, with my words. And I, honestly, I love production and the reason being is it's a puzzle you you sit there and you try to determine what is going to get the the point across when it comes to the the tone of the kick or um the delay on the the electric like figuring out ways to i guess use the track as almost like a harmony 
um, to the story being told. Yeah, I think, and this isn't necessarily a slight against my wife in any way, shape, or form. I know I'm more musically inclined. Like a lot of times, I'll point. I'm that person who, if you're listening to something, I go, "Oh, that's that like melody from this." Like the other day, I don't remember what she was. I don't know what she was listening to the other day. Uh, it was like some rock band that I had just interviewed, and she was really gotten into them in the last mm-hmm. couple of days. And I go, I recognize this. And I go, oh, that's that that's that uh, bridge melody from this. It's the chorus. And it's the chorus mm-hmm. melody. And she goes, what? And I started playing it. She goes, I, I don't know. I don't hear that. I already forgot the other melody, that you, or if that's even what you're <laughs> saying. I don't even know what I was just listening to, and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so to me, it's like when, when a lot of bands will – you know, between your demo phase, the demo songs to what ended up being the re-recorded versions, I kind of liked it because I did notice, you know, those kind of things where it's like, oh, so unless instead of it being kind of a sparse arrangement, now you're kind of adding more, like this guitar line might be doing like kind of harmonizing with your vocal or might be replacing this other melody that you had or now creating a counter melody and so forth. So in that regard, like I've kind of grown to like it because of the different yeah. nuances I've discovered in it. Um, but it is just kind of yeah. one of those things when you when you think about it, it's like, well, I fell in love with this thing as it was, and now it's changed, but it's still the same. But I, I preferred the other thing more, and I just kind of, you know, I know my I wife has asked it. my yeah. wife has asked me that question or has asked that question so many times, and I was like, you know, there are going to be a handful of things I'm going to ask specifically for you because you've <laughs> always wondered. So that was one of the ones I know that she uh, has mentioned over our uh, time of being together. Um, something else, yeah. kind of, you know, tying it back to my wife, uh, the band was coming through here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, we were mm. really stoked. She had never gotten to see you play. And unfortunately, once we got there, we found out you were not the vocalist uh, for that show. Um, as it was explained to us uh, at the crowd or in the crowd that basically you were sick uh, and your wishes were that the band go on and, and allow everyone to, to sing the songs and all that kind of stuff. And my wife and I being older than most of the people in attendance were like, we feel robbed because rightfully so you are the voice of the band and half of the band uh, that we came to see. And we were not told that you weren't going to be there. And it just kind of felt a little disingenuous when we were in this room hearing, you know, I do understand having a band member and you're like, hey, we want the best for them. You know, they're not feeling great. But it just seemed like they were really going overboard with it. So you're just like, that doesn't seem right. Uh, And then lo and behold, you made a post that like, yes, I am sick and I'm going through some things. But something about that time frame, and I kind of want to talk about that. And and, and another theme we're going to talk about is you constantly are overcoming a lot of obstacles. And I don't know how to say it any nicer than that. Um, It seems like you're willing to take challenges head on. And I've always admired that about you. And I think it makes me want to root for you to do well. And when you made the announcement that basically things weren't the way they seemed, it was kind of Mm -hmm. nice to see that you weren't willing to quote unquote play ball. Because I'm sure a label was like, hey, don't say anything. Don't rock the boat. This, that, and the other. And it was nice that you had a lot to lose and you still stood up because you wanted to to be genuine and sincere and i kind of mm-hmm. wanted to t- i know you've made a press release about that at the time but i again yeah don't really know that you've ever really talked about it and i kind of that's something that has yeah. always stayed with me and i kind of wanted to know more about that time because it's going to come into play here in a little bit when we talk more about some other things coming up yeah absolutely um so to, again like i i had said you know i feel like the best thing god blessed me with was not caring about that kind of like the label i wasn't afraid of the label i knew that they worked for me if that makes sense like i I was fully aware that that 
how it's supposed to work. So um, what had happened was that, yes, I got sick. Um, I was actually, my spine was fusing together. Like, it wasn't just like uh, I had some sort of flu. Right. Um, it, it was pretty intense. And uh, I had actually told my manager at the time, hey, we should not book any tours. My doctor said that my immune system um, was shot because there was a, it's a medication in the chemo family that I had to be on and do infusions. And uh, my, my doctor made it very clear, you cannot go at, like you are supposed to stay at home and that is it. And uh, I specifically asked that, you know, we don't, tour and he said okay okay you know we'll 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 just we'll play it by ear <laughs> and you know that this is a, a former manager uh, obviously um and uh he he just kind of kept talking as though like you know we'll, we'll see what happens we'll see and i remember i looked online and uh suddenly fans were saying oh i'm so excited to see you here i'm excited to see you here and the tour had been booked and not only book, but there was a, a press release. And uh, I told my manager, there's no, what do you, what's going on here? And uh, he turned it into like a, you know, so just because you're sick, you know, we can't, we can't punish the fans for that. And, uh, and I said, that, no, there, there's no way. Like, this doesn't make any sense. It just didn't seem, it didn't match who I am as a person. There's no way um, I would be okay with anyone else telling the story and talking to the fans that I've been talking to on, you know, Instagram and stuff like that and following their journey. Um, it felt wrong. So, um, after that conversation, um, it, it turned into a horror show when it, you know, when it comes to the, the drama that unfolded, uh, all the passwords had been changed. Um, my, my label representative at the time, uh, and my manager stopped picking up the phone and responding to emails. And I had zero idea what what had been going on and um i then saw that there was a photo shoot done and there was a girl in the photo that was not me and then i start seeing you know kids saying i, I got a vip ticket or meet and greet and it wasn't rachel you know what what the heck is that like i feel kind of like you said like i i feel robbed and i felt so angry and so upset about um the fact that I couldn't just I guess do my press release on my own because n I didn't have passwords to, to anything I didn't know how to talk to everyone on the scale that this was this was happening I I, I had no idea and um it then became it became messy because I I realized very quickly that the money part meant more to um, to people than I thought it would, and so the idea of um, being okay not touring but maybe just writing a record um, that that wasn't it wasn't an option for um, the the people that I had in my life at that point. Um, it became extremely painful for me to. Uh, recognize that the one thing that I feared um, about, uh, I guess, doing this as a job 
the one thing I feared became a reality in a disturbing way. And I felt as though um, the purpose of He Is We and, and the reasoning behind the, the name itself had been tarnished. That, um, you know, we were speaking as though we cared about the fans, but then, you know, lo and behold, there's no decency to let them know that something's going on with me. Um, so I, I felt like a fraud. I, I felt like the one thing that I had tried to keep sacred was the relationship I had with the fans. Like the label could do whatever they wanted to me. I didn't care. The only people I cared about were the people that made me feel like I, I finally belonged somewhere. Um, and that was, that was the fan base. They, they became the friends and family that I needed. Um, so it, it just, it got to a point where I, I then was told that I, I couldn't record any music as he is we. So, uh, I put an S in front of it and essentially gave a middle finger. <laughs> and uh, it was a it was a statement. I did all of that as a way to essentially showcase that this is how stupid this industry can be. That I can still do what I'm doing, but you are so proud of of the look of an indie band and you know there's a there's a certain I guess certain vibe and I, I didn't fit that mold, and I wanted to make it clear that I, I didn't care that the fans were going to scream anarchy <laughs> and just do what we wanted to do. So the interesting thing about that, too, you know, as you're saying all of that, and I'm kind of reminded of being back in the venue and my wife and I leaving not even halfway through the set because we're like, this isn't what we paid for. Like, you, <laughs> it would be yeah. like saying like, oh, I'm going to see John Bon Jovi and John Bon Jovi's not there, but it's somebody else in the rest <laughs> of the band. It's like, no, like the voice and the thing that makes what we're here to see is not here. And it's just basically yeah. a cover show at that point. You know, no, nothing against mm -hmm. any of the musicians that were there, but I mean, that's the reality of it. The thing that was interesting in looking back and thinking about it is it seemed like, and you know, this is a tired and true tale of the music business, but it seemed like they were the yeah. one thing that they wanted you for, which was your voice, is the thing that they took away from you during all of this or tried to. Yeah, no, it's true. That That's a very powerful observation. I, I agree. And then. Um, she is we. I remember, and this is a thing that keeps happening with you in, in my wife and I's lives, is I remember getting out of work or going somewhere, and I just hear this song, and I was like, this is a pretty fucking catchy song. Like, what is this? She goes, oh, it's Rachel. She is we. And I was like, oh. I go, wait, she is we. She goes, yeah. And I go, so she's... Not allowed to be in her band, probably for legal reasons at this point, but she's able to carry. I was like, I like this. And what was interesting is, and I know this is such a stupid thing to kind of like get caught up in, but you changed as of from the perception from the fans. It was the first time we're seeing you again, really. This is the first time like yeah. you had changed your hair. You had kind of changed yep. your sound and Everything. something that was interesting to me because I, I know how long it takes for things to come out. Uh, having friends in the industry, yeah. how long had you been working on this music? And was it such a concerted effort on your end to go, if you think I'm this and you want me to be pop, I'm going to go full on the opposite way of what everyone thinks I am and showcase that I can be more of a pop female fronted singer. So the, the statement that I was making, because that entire record is 
about the the angry part of me that I didn't feel like the label allowed me to talk about. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I, I cut my hair off and I did all of that stuff because I had fans that were telling me that um, they went in so that they could get their hair cut like mine or you know, colored like mine or bangs like mine. And I wanted to ensure that I was never the product that they believed in. I want the music to be what they believed in. And uh, the the label had a clear cut idea of what they wanted for me. And, and it was like a Disney pop individual. And that I, I grew up listening to grunge. Like I'm, I'm very, I know. So I, touch into that part of myself and I allowed people to see you do not have to look a certain way. You do not have to carry a a smile with you at all times. You can still go on stage and you can kick ass. You can be creative and you can 100% still, you do what you want, do what you want. And I didn't just want to be one of those people that you know, I, in interviews, would say stuff like, you can accomplish your dreams. Like, I didn't want to just sit there and do that. I, I wanted to ensure that I showed that it can be done. And that was how. I think the thing that about that record, that She Is We record, this, maybe coming from me as a, as a guy, this sounds really <laughs> stupid to say, but it just felt <laughs> so empowered. And it reminded me of some of my favorite female vocalists. Like, you know, it reminded me kind of of like Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson, or oh, maybe Lord. not to the same degree, but like, I really, I really love uh, Mariah Carey. And I think her Butterfly record, mm-hmm. I think, is the, the, record that she broke out and became more of the artist she wanted to be. I'm a huge Aaliyah fan. Yeah. I think that last record that she put out, her self-titled record, I think, and One in a, Mil- One in a Million, I think were, you know, these yeah. these records where a lot of women were breaking away from what you, th- what the industry and what the mainstream was like, this is what you are. And it's like, no, I am, I am these things. And I'm, yeah. I'm, lo- I'm independent. I'm fierce. I have a voice of my own and I, I have these things to say. And, I just was really excited to for that record for the She Is We record because it it felt like that it felt like that moment for you where you finally yeah. we were getting to see a, a more and I'm not saying that you you lacked passion before but I felt like you know who you are basically and and what you stand for as a young woman coming into your own who has been trying to break through and play the game. And unfortunately this, it kind of played you and this is you kind of standing up for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was looking forward to seeing you tour on that record. And unfortunately you just never really did on that record. And I don't know how much of that was just bad timing for trying to tour. If it was the opportunities weren't there because the unfortunate thing is too, is the industry sees you as one thing. And if you ever try to break out of those things, it takes a little bit, for everyone else to catch up to what you're doing and i don't know if Correct. that was also an issue where it's like well no that's the indie folk girl who plays guitar and sings like in sundresses not this you know pixie haircut girl with you know color in her hair talking about you know giving the middle finger basically to the industry and everything she's been through yeah. mm-hmm. oh yeah it was <laughs> i i you know how some people will um, they have like a battle cry or something like mine was Beyonce. I would just mm. yell Beyonce backstage because that was like, that was the way that I had to look at this was like, this is my Sasha Fierce. 
this is my my moment to look at the camera and show that there's not just passionate love there's passionate anger there's wrath and there are all of these emotions that a lot of writers um i i often said as a child that i feel too much like i was a little kid and i would tell my mother i feel too much and so this allowed for me to feel stuff that, I mean, I don't think the fans maybe expected at all. Um, and I know that the, the promoters didn't know what to do with me because it was so different um, from the, you know, indie happy butterflies and, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Um, I, I didn't tour much on that record because I mean, the politics of the label were very interesting. Um, there, there were a lot of moving parts. Um, I was in a unhealthy relationship and it just kind of didn't end up happening. The tours were, were just not a thing at all. And I, I loved that record. That's the only record I will actually listen, um, I'll listen to and reflect on. This might be a weird question, and and maybe I'm getting to it a little bit too early. But <laughs> have you have you reworked any of that she is we material to kind of fit more into the he is we space? Um. Mm, well, there's. I mean, there are a couple of the songs that I think I could really have fun with. Um. If anything, the song porcelain that uh-huh. I did. Um, that's one that I have wanted to rework and, uh, maybe even turn into like a piano ballad. Okay. Um, there, there are a lot of ways that I've, I've thought about just breaking them down and hoping that maybe that will showcase the emotion more than an electric guitar ever did. Seemingly we're at the point where, um, it looks like everything's you know good to go. He is we is back together. Um, you put out a record, and technically mm-hmm. you're, you're first in seven years. Um, yeah, and it it's interesting because I I a lot of times on this podcast we talk about fans' interests waning, and you have to keep up with the breakneck pace of life now, and keeping up with everyone's attention spans, which is non-existent and mm-hmm. i remember when this record came out my wife was listening to it and i was like oh so they finally seven years later they're finally releasing a record which for those uh, who are fans you know probably followed you onto the she as we thing so it it's not as drastic of a time difference between the first record to something else that you put out but under the moniker it's it's seven yeah. years it's almost the tenure of the band at that point and yeah. you know i Again, you're you're such an anomaly because you always kind of fly under the radar until you kind of pop back up and you, you <laughs> didn't do a whole lot of press. So like when this happened, it's like, yeah, there was the whole like, I'm not in the band. This is going on. Now here she is. We this mm-hmm. is what I'm doing. And then that kind of went away. And then all of a sudden it's she is we is back. And it's like, OK, so everything's good with with everybody. And, and now it's like 
it was just weird. And then, like, you know, I remember asking her, I was like, are these, like, old songs that they, they were working on prior? Or are these new songs that are, like, I don't know. There's just so many question marks I had about that record. So I figured I'd point blank ask you, where did these songs come from? And kind of where were they birthed out of? Because it, it's a very tumultuous time, it seems, uh, for you to appear yeah. back in He Is We. Um, it, You're talking about the Hold My Heart record or uh, a different one? The, um... What is it? Uh, Fall Out of Line? I think it was the record. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, those those were all, um, I mean, those were all of our songs that we had done um, years ago. Uh, it, they were older songs that maybe we had had on MySpace or something that we never released, if that makes sense. So um, that that's what that was. Yeah. Um, and then and the EP, as, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, as as far as the the band itself, um, I think this is the other thing the label did. Um, they they turned it into a like a a band as opposed to an artist. Um, they had originally wanted to to sign uh, me individually. Okay, but I was terrified. I was eighteen absolutely terrified of the idea of i guess leaving my my friend at the time behind i i didn't want him to feel like i didn't appreciate his hard work and so um it's strange but he and i haven't like all the he is we stuff that you've probably heard um he's not near it um but i i guess i still try to give off the band vibe so that people don't think that I'm just, I don't know, just this one man show, even though I am, um, I hate being on stage by myself. So I, I like the idea of having someone, anyone on the stage with me. So but it's funny when people say like, Oh, you know, he's we, they're back together. It's like, Oh, I wish I could tell you. Well, <laughs> like I it's, wanna... it's funny you say that. Cause the whole time I, I kind of, I always kind of felt and wondered. Cause I mean, in looking at the liner notes, uh, I mean, you're credited with, I think most everything. So from the, the side of the business that matters where it's your publishing, it's who has the writing credits and all that. That's kind of why, I mean, and I was going to get to that where it's like, it always seemed like it was you, not so much a, a duo, but I don't think people sometimes realize how things are put together for a presentation aspect. Um, Correct. Like something I don't know that people know about and in doing this podcast, I've actually gotten more on the inside of this is like the voice. So, yep. I got shop someone to have on the podcast because they were going to be on The Voice, and they were an artist development deal, and uh, basically this was a way for them to appear out of nowhere, but they were already signed to a label. They were on a developmental deal. Yep. There was already <laughs> things going on, and they were going to be touted on a TV show as being an unsigned, unknown person who just showed up and auditioned, and it's like, no, they already were known they were going to get through to a certain to a certain extent on the show, yeah. and that this was a way for they probably wouldn't win, but it would be one of those things that are going to get far enough, and then you're going to go, I like that person, and now it's a built-in yeah. fan base, and I don't think people realize that the industry is that, I don't want to say smart, but they're that conniving that they will present you something because they know that that is a package that's yep. more easily digestible. Oh, 
yeah. Well, it's like to to me, it's a synthetic version of something that's supposed to be organic. Um, you essentially become manufactured, um, and people obviously they they want to see something that um, like you're explaining with the voice. You know, if if you want to launch someone and make people feel like they're the ones who found them, like they're the ones who who made their career what it is, like that's why they're doing it. They're doing it so that there are those diehards that are like, I saw them before they got signed, blah, blah, blah. Like there's some sort of like interesting psychological way of, of, going about the, the the fandoms um like i remember with Hughes we it it was this strange thing where people would say like you know i've been listening to you you know since da 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 da, da. well i heard this demo when she was messing around with it in her room and she posted it on a secret youtube like people kind of going back and forth about who was there first or right. who um, you know, got got more of the experience. And the thing with, you know, having uh two people on stage versus just me is it kinda gave this uh this question mark. People were wondering, are they together? Yeah. Are they not? It was are around they the whole white stripes up? thing too. Exactly. Exactly. And so what it did was it caused intrigue immediately because you want to know our relationship. That's just a natural, that, that's natural. So it kind of just became like, that's what we were doing, I guess. Like that. And I was fine with it because I didn't want to be on stage by myself. Gross. Like when I have my band on stage, I will always step out of the spotlight because I do, I don't like that part of it. It's like the, the same reason why sometimes going to church and seeing like a worship band, there's some people that are humble about it. And then there are other people that they think like they are Beyonce and that you're there to see them. Um, and the thing is, is on, on stage, I, I never wanted to appear as though um, this was just like a, a fun, neat experience that was, not going to be true to who I was at all. And so I would just back up and I would allow the music to speak for itself. And that was it. Like it, it, it was just interesting. Cause I, I never told anyone, even on stage, I had never mentioned that this was, you know, this was my brainchild from the, from the age of 14. Um, I'd never mentioned it. Um, I'm going to, it's always hard, uh, and, and especially in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've had a lot of uh, hard things that I kind of have to uh, talk around uh, for just sake of not being a shitty person. <laughs> um, <laughs> so some things happened once the band started kind of making a name for itself again, finally being able to tour, uh, which caused you, the band, to go away for the last couple years. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, if you're don't know what we're talking about i'm sure a very quick google search will pull that up educate yourself if you're unfamiliar so that is all i'll say about that so i talked earlier about the theme of you personally yeah is overcoming here we are in 2020 with amazing grace 
Yeah. It seems that by all accounts on your, I mean, if it's on social media, it must be true, right? Uh, by all <laughs> accounts that basically he is we is now just you as it was always meant to be. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. for, for all of us listening, for all of those who are listening, who have been around, yeah. I'm not going to say from day one, but from whenever they came on. <laughs> What is going on with the band now? What is the plan for now? Uh, is there a full <laughs> record or is, are we just... Because now we're in a day and age where singles are kind of king. It's not necessarily about pulling out full lengths and touring for two, three, four years. It's about putting out singles and EPs and getting on Correct. playlists and all that kind of stuff. So the reason I brought up you starting off on MySpace and all that kind of stuff is we are kind of back to that where you can kind of put out music and, and it's more about just connecting yeah. with fans quickly again. So what does He Is We look like for you now in the present? What's so strange is, uh, it, man, oh, man, what a roller coaster. Um, the, <laughs> and I'll just, I'll just, like, I will just say that entire ordeal, um, the allegation in general that was made against me, um, I wish that we had more time to discuss that. Um, because it was, I I had fans telling me that they were going to kill themselves and how could I do this? And, you know, I'm sitting there like, oh my God, what is, what is happening? And, uh, for the first time it's like in my life, in my career, I felt, I felt like the, the people that I cared about most no longer cared about me. And that my, my relationships with them, um, that somehow, uh, somehow I had disappointed people, um, before I could even have a day in court. And, uh, so I, I took her to trial. I don't know if you actually read about that part, but yeah, I I took it to trial, um, because I, as someone who you know, I, I have been um, uh, assaulted. I have, I, and I have gone to the police and had it not heard. And so it was interesting and it pissed me off to, to think that, you know, this person who, who's alleging that I did something is able to go out and have a press release field day um, and yet there are so many of us that are, we feel like we can't say anything about what has happened. And it's because of allegations like that, that people don't buy it. And, uh, it, it taught me that, um, the way that I want to live my life today in 2020 is no BS, no secret, no, um, that, that's why I told you, uh, at the beginning, like, if you're going to ask me anything, if I don't feel comfortable talking about it, like it, odds are, I'm not going to feel uncomfortable talking about it. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to be very, very, uh, candid, I guess. Um, I would say that, you know, it showed me what's really important to me. And for some reason, everything came full circle and, it was as if I needed to be broken down and, you know, it, to finally, to finally give up my stubborn ass ways and, and just fall to my knees and go, okay, I don't know what's going on. I don't care. 
how to make it better. I just need it to be better. And I, yeah, I, I ended up falling in to an intense, intense depression. And uh, I was dropped from tours and it was, it was just really, really messy. Um, but, but today, like, oh man, like the, the night that Amazing Grace was released, um, you know, for, for Valentine's Day, I, uh, I had the opportunity to, you know, to sit with my husband and just cry for the first time <laughs> about all of it. And, and he thought I was sad. And um, I told him it was just the opposite. I never thought for a moment that I would be where I'm at right this very second, you know, in a brand new home, married. You know, I have a dog that I've kept alive somehow. And he's a psycho. But I, not only that, I fell back in love with music. And that resentment that I had, because I refused to pick up my guitar. I refused to uh, to sing or write for so long because I resented music. And uh, now I have a studio in my home that I, I get to create when I want to, because I want to. And uh, that's probably the most beautiful part of 2020 so far is I, I'm back to 2008. I'm back to 2004, you know, 2002, when I first wrote the song Radio. Like, I'm back to that point where I'm able to look at music and do it therapeutically and um, not hold on to the, the parts and pieces of me that I lost because I feel like I needed to lose them in order to, to make my way here. I had to, I had to get rid of the dead weight. It's uh, unbeknownst to you, so in the last, the episodes that are going up this week, I did a two-part chat with this guitar player of a band, Lorna Shore, and their vocalist, they had a new vocalist come into the band to record this new record, and a mm -hmm. bunch of nasty allegations have come out against him, uh, involving minors, wow. involving racial slurs, and a bunch of other stuff. And so something I had prose to the guitar player that I talked to, Adam, was... You know, the thing I probably shouldn't ask you because I'm probably not allowed to uh, is, you mm. know, how hard is it knowing that this thing that you've been working your ass off for for 10 years doing tours, eating shit on the road and so forth is yeah. going to be taken away by someone for something that you had nothing to do with? Yep. In talking to Andrew from The Ghost Inside, the band that you might have heard of because Ooh. they were involved in that Yuck. horrible, horrible bu bus accident. Well, oh, I saw them lot. With that. I uh, went to Andrew's house the other day and we did a chat that'll be out at this point so I don't feel bad about talking about it but you know it was a thing where we had to talk about a solo record basically that he put out and it was an instrumental and we basically yeah. talked our way through their wreck because of the music he said or put out and like I was kind of saying it's it's the non-verbals of everything you've gone through that are speaking that are deafening yeah. That you're going talking about yeah. and it's it's one of those things where you getting to come on and, and and hopefully and what you have done is is being undeniably you and and persevering through all these adversities you've gone through it's kind of been yeah. the theme uh for the last month or so of the conversations i've been having where it's people mm -hmm. who are being put into some very very trying times where so many people would give up and the, at least the three people, yourself included, that I'm talking about have not. And, you know, mm -hmm. I know you've kind of talked about it, but, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up, um, 
what has kept you going and fighting through everything? Because Lord knows half of what you've gone through would probably put most people to be like, I, you know, I'm done. I quit. I tap yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I. the thing is, is I... And I don't know what other people have, have said their reason is uh, or how they've managed to get through all, you know, all this and not quit. Um, there, I tried to walk away over and over. I don't know if anyone else knows that, but I, I continued to, to walk away from it. And for some reason, it, it wouldn't go away. It, it kept coming back and... Um, I know it's it's cliche to say like you know it's the fans. I did it for the fans, but in reality, it was like I was hit up by fans that you know didn't just say like hey I love your work. Like they would hit me up and ask how are you, and that it's so silly, but it's it's moments like that where I needed it. I, I needed um, to know that I was more than just a product that went bad and, you know, that what I had done wasn't in vain and everything I sacrificed wasn't in vain. Um, I think what kept me going was knowing that it wouldn't be done unless I put one foot in front of the other and that if anyone was going to get it done, like I said, my stubborn ass, like I, if anyone's going to get it done, it's the person that, you know, doesn't know how to tap out and, um, almost to a, to a fault. Um, it's damn near impossible for my husband to like keep me resting if I have a fever. Like I'm very much like, no, I have got this, you know, until I'm dead in the ground, I can make a change. And uh, I, I genuinely believe that God himself has done insane things to grab me by my arm and pull me back because everything in me has wanted nothing but to turn away when it gets hard. And there's always that one person that'll hit me up or that one thing that I read that kind of gives me this this peace and this clarity that the pain that I'm feeling right now is it's a grain of rice, you know, 10 years from now. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I would genuinely say it's my stubbornness and God providing some incredible people, um, for me to cross paths with. What does the rest of this year hold for you and the band or you, <laughs> you as the artist? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, where can everyone find you online? Oh, oh, shameless plug time. Um, I think I think it's he is we music or he is we official. I don't know. Look for the one that like when you read the tweets or the posts, it seems like a person being a person. That odds are that one's me. Um, as far as 2020 goes, man, I am stoked to like I said be be back in love with music and doing it for the right reasons. So um, I want to get more involved in the, I guess the, the community that helped me get here to begin with. I, I really want to tap into um, people dealing with very similar things that I, I've had to. Um, I want to give back my time. 
uh, in any way that I can. So maybe not touring a bunch, but I want to ensure that I'm able to, um, to say thank you, whatever that looks like. So I'd like to record and release more music. Um, but more than anything, I really want to rebuild those friendships with, with the fans and get to know them again. Well, I, uh, I want to say thank you very much for, for taking the time. Uh, like I said, this has been something I've been trying to find a way to get you to come do this because I've had a lot yeah. of questions and I feel like a lot of the people yeah. who are listening probably might have some of the same questions I've had for a while. And uh, this may not be a podcast or, or a format that a show that they may listen to typically, but uh, I think also showcases the fact that uh, I'm more than just a metal, hardcore, heavily tattooed guy that I, I actually like and know a lot more other things. Um, so I want to mm-hmm. take the time to thank you for taking the time to do this show with us tonight. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for not being afraid to ask the hard questions. Yeah, it is. It is tough, but I always uh, dip my toe in lightly and then just kind of see what happens from there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did great. Thank you very much. So that was my conversation with Rachel Taylor of He Is We. Uh, Really informative, long chat. I know uh, seemingly it felt like I did a lot of the talking, but... um, you know, when you have someone that's been through the ringer in the industry, it's like you want to make sure that when you're asking a question that you're, you know, getting it all out there so they can answer all of it. Yeah, no, that was great. I, I enjoyed that. Like, I mean, I really didn't think that I would. I know you were like, you were like trying to sell me on it for a while, like saying that like, oh yeah, like it's a, it was, it was a Christian band in the, you know, in that scene. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Are there, <laughs> are there screams and breakdowns? And you're like, nope. Nope, and I'm like, and I'm like, does the band rhyme with mayo? Because if it doesn't, I don't, I don't know who that is. But I, but I have familiar familiarized myself with it, um, with their music, and I actually kind of liked it. And um, I was actually really surprised once I started digging into the band's history and and finding out like everything that basically she had gone through um, and the people that she had gone through and and you know like it was very uh, it was very eye opening and um, to hear to hear her perspective on some of this stuff was 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 really good and she was very open and that that's one of the things that we value a lot on this podcast because it can get a little awkward whenever you're getting into some of the more personal details. Well, and what kind of was a little bit awkward too on occasion was even just the fact of and this kind of sounds shitty to say it's like you know i didn't necessarily want to talk about the sexual abuse allegations and so forth because at the time of when we recorded that that was all like had just been you know figured out and all the the details of that kind of came out um but i didn't even know that at the time rachel actually was like oh will you know how that went or something to that effect and i was like no and then kind of like i got filled in like in the moment as well but it's like i said in the intro it's just to hear what rachel has gone through i mean like you said throw one of those things at me fuck it i'm done yeah dude game over like game over yeah 100 percent. and it's just a, a thing where you know i think i think that that's the thing like you know even like our, on the he she is we uh record you know like i said in the interview that song boomerang it's like it doesn't sound like anything and really that record doesn't really sound like anything that you would have expected from rachel or he is we at the time but it's infectious and she was able to take some of the the shit that she went through and turn it into a really fucking catchy song and it's again i beating a dead horse but just perseverance um if you don't listen to this and aren't inspired to overcome any of the setbacks that maybe you're going through in life i mean rachel has had everything 
being thrown at her and and that in her personal life as well you know with uh her sickness and uh that she went through as well it, just that's off i mean i just like i said it's, it's inspiring to hear someone who just has no no quit in them yeah yeah i mean that type of determination is definitely not something that people that that most people i feel um are gonna be um able to able to withstand i mean for me i would just be like well i guess i'm just gonna save face and 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 just kind of like back off into the sunset and that's gonna be that (laughs) you know a lot a lot of people have a lot of people that have gone through even an iota of what rachel has gone through have packed it in or just disappeared totally totally i don't know like i said it's i wanted to do this episode for so long and i felt like i kind of fanboyed out for for my wife for her uh with this chat but i think uh, a lot of long time he is we fans are going to get a lot of answers to things that they've wondered um about the band's history the past things going on currently and so forth um i wish it looked like Rachel was kind of poised to start doing some new stuff. Uh, you know, like I said, Amazing Grace had just dropped as of when we were doing the interview. Yeah. But I think at this point, like everybody, it's kind of like a, well, do we put anything out? Uh, what's the point, kind of, maybe? Sure. So uh, hopefully some new music will come out because I'm interested to see what this uh, whole thing that she's gone through has inspired uh, lyrically and, and being able to talk about over the course of a record. Um, always something that Rachel's always been great at is, you know, using her words, uh, to tell a story. Yeah. Um, if you would like to keep up with He Is We, you can follow them on Facebook at He Is We dot official, Instagram at He Is We Music, Twitter at He Is We, or keep up with them at their central hub, We Are He Is We dot com. And if you would like to keep up with all things going on with Dan, he'll tell you what he can be doing. Probably selling a graphics card is best I can tell. Okay, so I've got this amazing graphics card, right? Local pickup only. Local pickup only. So uh, unless you're like watching this, then you can, I don't know. PayPal me or Venmo me or whatever does the kids do these days. Um, it takes up it takes up two PCI slots. You can hook up to three Display Ports and one HDMI on this baby. It has got hinks. It it has got heat sinks out the butt. Did you say hink sink? Hink sink. <laughs> it's like heat sink, but it's hink hink sink out of the butt. It is amazing. It'll it'll play the games. It does the games. It loves the games. And uh and you could buy it from me for some money. Yeah. So that's that's what I got for that. But uh if you don't care about any of that, um it's fine. You can you can keep playing in 480p or whatever it is you play in. That's perfectly fine. Uh but you can also find my other podcast discography discussion at discussmetal.com. You can email me at discussmetaldan at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at discussmetaldan. I am on Facebook under plain old Daniel Terry. So uh it's just this it's just this beautiful face. If you see this face, you got the right guy. And if you would like to keep up with all things, this podcast is simple enough. Bruce Speak Pod. Or if you're feeling adventurous and you're on the interwebs, go to BruceSpeakPod.com. We have our website up and running. I think it looks pretty rad. Dude, it's running so fast I can't even catch up to it. It's almost like if you wanted to view this podcast, the best way to do it would be with this <laughs> graphics card. I mean, I am telling you what, man. This thing is will kill it for you. It is a GTX 960 4GB and you know what? 
if you are a listener to the podcast, I will sign it for you if that sweetens the deal for you at all. Well, I'm hawking. I, you know what, dude? I'm trying to sell something. So what I need to do is get a publicist, and then I need to have the publicist reach out to you and be like, no, Dan's really cool. You should talk to him. He's totally not just trying to sell you something. What if that was the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> available on facebook marketplace right now (laughs) oh fuck oh man i'm just trying to think of how many more ways i can derail this it's this is this is becoming kind of a personal fun game for me and another thing you can find on our website is our sponsors and we would like to take a moment to plug them and thank them for coming on and supporting us uh during these uh pandemic covid times uh first of all the bean bastard a two-man operation out of buffalo new york they are doing great things donating coffee to the first line responders and so forth uh so um, just a company you have to get behind um i'm not even gonna give you the option uh so go to the beanbastard.com pick up some coffee support those guys uh they do the put a lot of love into their product and it shows um follow them on facebook and instagram at the bean bastard uh if you want to go to on point palmade i know salons are open up people are able to get their haircuts i'm getting mine cut in a couple of days i'm fucking stoked on point palmade i already got mine cut because i'm amazing on point palmade.com keep your beard and hair looking on points use our code bsp15 and get 15 percent off your total purchase uh might be having maddie mullins do an instagram live with us here soon so that'll be fun maybe do a giveaway uh, That'd be fun. Recommended that. I could definitely use it. Yeah. And last but not least is rockabilia.com. They have been amazing since they came on. Uh, it's been about almost three and a half months now. Uh, they came on for a little bit longer. Uh, so I guess they like what we're doing. We like the products they have. I mean, they have over 500,000 items for sale, including just about any band that you would possibly want merch for uh unfortunately there is no he is we merch on there i just checked um but maybe if you ask nicely they'll get some there but dude like i'm that that's not just like a shill right because like you you were like hey pick a band and so i picked a band and i looked on the website because i was like you know what i'm gonna pick some random band and see if they actually have what i'm looking for so i went i went relatively obscure i went with uh swedish death metal legends dismember and uh i wanted a i wanted a t-shirt of their first album uh like an ever flowing stream and dude they had it like straight up they're like what what size you want what color you want you know what i mean it was like it was like straight up like like just right up there and i was like oh cool well um uh 2xl and uh you know uh there it is they have it like anything you want like i i search carcass they have carcass i search zeo they have zeo they've got everything they've got in flames if you like terrible music and like it's awesome like I don't even know how I don't even know how to describe it. This place has like all the shirts, all the wristbands, all like everything, dude. They've they've got it all. It's it's pretty cool. But if you head over there now, you can use our discount code Brew15 and get fifteen percent off your total purchase order. So now it pays to listen to us do these ads because now you're saving money on getting your hair and beard looking good with On Point Pomade, and we're saving you money on your clothes. You're going to look amazing. Like, that, that, that's the end result. You're going to look amazing. You're going to be wearing the right clothes. You're going to have the right swag. And your, 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 your hair and beard are going to be on point. 
I mean, you might as well thank us for the, you know, making your wife happy, getting the girlfriend of your dreams, the boyfriend of your dreams, getting the job promotion you've been waiting for. You can thank us for giving you the codes to Rockabilly and On Point Pomade. I mean, you're welcome. When they ask you, they're going to be all like, yeah, this this dude, this dude with like neck tattoos and this dude that has a tonsil infection told me to buy these shirts. And I did. And and here we are. Like, I mean, I, I basically just like walked into a bank and they started throwing $100 bills at me. Like That's what happened. So, you know, make sure to share that story. Share a link to the podcast. And uh, we, we will be very appreciative of you supporting what we do because we're, we're, we're really just looking out for you. Absolutely. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I'm Dan. And we'll talk to you all next time.